you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. I don't know if this is a funny story. About My what? nephew won't let me cuss, and he informed me that friggin', he's like, that's a bad word. How I'm old like, is well, he? He's a uh, first grader. He's like, yeah, that, that's a bad word at my school. And I said, well, that doesn't, well, what am I supposed to say? And he goes, well, say chicken. And I'm like, chicken? He's like, yeah, that's what you can say. I said, are you out of your chicken mind? I'm not saying that. The Dave Damashek Football Program. Available on iTunes and at davedamashek.nfl.com. Now here's your host, Dave Damashek. Hi and hello, football fans. It's your old pal Dave. Dave Damashek, what's going down? I hope all's well wherever you are. Welcome to episode number 79 of the Dave Damashek Football Program. As you just heard the one-man house band, Dick Banks, mention, you can subscribe on iTunes, you can follow us at davedamashek.nfl.com. All the action, and thanks to the one-man house band, Dick Banks, for that nice new little intro. How did you like it there, man? Seated to my immediate right from NFL Network and NFL.com. Adam Rank. Hey, boss. First off, thanks for having me. Sure and, thing. Uh, Dick Banks, he's automatic. He's just one of those guys that whatever he does turns to gold. I decided to – I thought it was a good move to switch the NFL Films music. I love it. There's It's all gangbusters, so we mm-hmm. may as well rotate that music from time to time. The previous intro song, very good, but that last one you heard, da na what you just heard, I don't have to sing it for you. Um, but you did. That one's called Roundup, and I think that's more recognizable, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's more universally known to be NFL films. And as football draws nigh, I think uh, I, I thought it was about time. Black tie behind the glass. Did you like the new little uh, ditty there? It was great. I love it. I yeah. want more new songs. Speaking of new songs. Yours yeah, is finally remix. coming. It's it's ready to go. That's why I was away. I wasn't working in a Rich Eisen podcast. I was working on my remix. Are you guys ready to hear it? You really do? Are you really time? have this? I do. Well, let me just, before we get into that, great. Let me just uh, let everybody know, because uh, I, I imagine that this new song is going to be repellent to a a high percentage of listeners right now. Let me tell you, stick around because we have coming up for you 
the left tackle for the New York Jets, a team that has been buzzed about mu- uh, maybe as much, if not more, than anyone else in the league this offseason. Shaw Ferguson, the best name in the NFL, coming up. And then also one of my very favorites in the business, in the uh, sports media, a pro. None of the nonsense. Like You know, people like me, bunch of hooey and applesauce to distract you from from the lack of legitimacy mm-hmm. not ed bouchette of the pittsburgh post gazette he's going to be joining us he's been uh, with the pittsburgh covering the pittsburgh steelers i should say for uh, for a quarter century now been reading him since i was a lad and uh, so looking forward to getting that but just before the steelers had the latrobe um for training camp but uh, get his read on uh, another team that people have been talking about a lot todd haley with roethlisberger mike wallace who's going to take over for mendenhall all that stuff so a good show coming for you and uh, and then also want to talk about a few other things like we want to um in our ongoing series to determine who has the best jersey mm-hmm. by you know in these economically trying times rank you can't just go out and buy you know, 120 different jerseys from your favorite team. Right. Spendy, you see. Mm-hmm. So we try to help you before the season starts. What's the best jersey you can buy to support your team? What player in the history of your franchise? And today we'll be in honor of DeBrickishaw. We'll talk. We'll talk about the New York Jets. Sound good to you? Oh, sounds good. Yeah, yeah. All right, and we've got some uh, some other things to talk about. By the way, there's a new NFL up there for you. The animated series, the Butterfly Effect series. On NFL.com and at DaveDamashek.NFL.com. It's uh, this this episode, first of all, features a special guest, Warren Sapp, makes, oh, wow. an, makes an appearance. And uh, we address what would have happened had Scott Norwood make that made that Super Bowl kick against the Giants way back when. So we break down how the football landscape would be different had uh, Norwood booted that one through the uprights. As I've said before, I'll say again say, now. It's going to be far reaching. It's a 47-yard field go on grass. The idea that the, the the fact that he has been scapegoated is one of the most absurd things in football in, in uh, sports history. You know, Bill yeah. Buckner, that ball went through his legs. Yes, but Bob Stanley and Rich Gedman from the Red Sox in 86 deserve more of the blame than than what Bill Buckner got. Scott Norwood had a 47-yard field goal. That was a long field goal on grass. He wasn't a great kicker, so he's been scapegoated unfairly, a team that was vastly superior to those Giants. It shouldn't have been that close to begin with. Absolutely, and it was a thing, too, with Adam Scott with his meltdown at the British Open that people were trotting out. Here's the Scott Norwood. Not the same. Not the same at all, because that would be akin to probably what uh, Stover missed with the uh, Ravens. In the AFC Championship No, Billy Cundiff. Excuse me. Yeah, Billy Cundiff. Like, that was a real shank. Like, that was a a horrible... Scott Norwood, it it was a dang near 50-yarder. Yeah, and of course, Lee Evans deserves more of that blame because, of course, Cundiff only would have forced overtime, whereas Lee Evans would have sent them to the Super Bowl had he held on there. All right, so we'll talk about all those things coming up. Now, Black Tie, with no further ado, you have a new theme song, eh? Got it. Let's hear it. This producer's gonna do things his own way Handle his business while ignoring Damashek and Ray All he wants is a tight 45 Call him Black Tie I don't think there's much else to do here, but call it a day Gentlemen, thank you for your time Yes, let's let's call it a day. All right. I mean, so you went a little madman like on us there. I, I like to. it, and it, you know what? I give you points for accuracy because uh, you do annoy 
I well, I, I think I speak for Rank when I say you annoy us both with your constant reminders to keep the podcast to forty five minutes. This arbitrary number he's decided we have to keep the cast to. I say fa and double fa. Oh, and I also say this jerk. Take that black tie. We'll we'll make the podcast as long as we want. You know. By the way, now let's transition into something completely grim and awful. The Penn State situation, we've talked about it here. Now, Joe Paterno, the statue taken down, the the penalties against the, the university, against the football team, severe. And I think that, that, that I feel like there are two camps on this. People who aren't really hardcore college football fans are saying now, well, I'm surprised. Why weren't, Why didn't uh, the team get hammered? Why didn't the program get destroyed? Shouldn't they have shut it down? Well, let, let me make clear to you, in case you don't follow college football very closely, what happened to them is is monumental and destructive, and they're really in bad trouble for at least the next six to ten years, I think. Decade, the th- at least. The thing that is really awful for, if you're a Penn State football fan, is the loss of scholarships. You know, 25 to 15 may not seem like much, but the attrition that comes with playing football is going to be, I mean, they're just not going to be able to be competitive, practically speaking. They are going to have far fewer players, viable options to throw out onto the field. They're going to be hamstrung by that. I'll be interested to see what happens with the other schools around the country chasing the worthwhile players on the Penn State roster, how many how many of those guys get cherry-picked. Um, but rest assured, if you are up on Mount Pius, as I think most people should be in this case, um, that Penn State should have gotten the hammer, rest assured, they just got hammered. It may not look that way. They didn't you know, they didn't chain the doors and say no no more football for you guys. Um but I did, you know, uh, by the way, the $60 million that they now have to pay out to the NCAA, as far as I'm concerned, I'm no legal expert, but I think that's just the tip of the iceberg because all these civil suits are also going to destroy the university, right? I mean, I, again, I don't know. I, I imagine they're going to have to, they're going to be tens of millions of dollars in payouts to, uh, to the families of the victims. The Paterno statue down now, I think that's the right thing to do. I say this. They should put it in Sandusky's cell. That's where it belongs. They're gonna. They say they're keeping it in a secure location. I think. Well, behind bars, it'd be nice and secure. Here, practically speaking, it reduces his uh, his space to move around. Sandusky. Mm-hmm. Also, let Paterno's statue lord over him as a reminder that you, Sandusky, let that number one finger that Paterno's pointing in the sky instead. Point at you, Sandusky, as a reminder that you, sir, you destroyed one of the biggest programs, one of the most successful programs, one of the proudest universities in all the land with your with your insane, creepy behavior. And Paterno deserves all sorts of scorn. All the administration deserves a lot of blame. Things were, you know, institutional lack of control. Absolutely. People who say... What does this have to do with football? Here's what it has to do with. The head football coach had more juice than the administrators of the university. The, the administrators of the university were about to do something. They were about to go to the cops or whatever they were going to do. The, the head football coach comes in and says, hey, let's not do anything about that. And they listen to it. So they're all culpable. They're all, they're all bad, at least on this case. They're all villains. But let's not lose sight of the fact that Jerry Sandusky is the real creep. So I say, let's put it in there. The only thing about the penalties that I'll say is, I and I think it's 
the just thing to do to to strip them of those wins that they have to vacate their wins from the last whatever it is 13 14 seasons the only uh, the only thing that's strange about it is it just hits my ear strangely doesn't it those didn't count you know doesn't it sound petulant yes ironically childish since this whole thing has to do with children but it does have but isn't it sort of weird like those wins don't count take yeah. that all your records you, are go- i think it was more of a move to get rid of him not to be the number one all-time winningest coach in college football. But, Easily. But, so Eddie Robinson moves up to number one. And no, Bobby Bowden's number one. Eddie Robinson has more than him. Bobby Bowden is number one rank. Please don't play games with me on this subject. That's absolutely right. It is Bobby Bowden is now the all-time wins leader in college football. Look it up. Go ahead. You can look it up. Division one. that is the case. Eddie Robinson, I believe, is now number two. But Bowden reigns supreme. The one thing I also think is, on a personal note, growing up in uh, in western Pennsylvania, Penn State, of course, was a massive, uh, a massive presence there. I happen to be a Pitt football fan. Um, and I, I, I didn't like the Nittany Lions, but either way, I, it did occur to me when I when I saw the news and the penalties were uh, were handed down once and for all. You know, Mo Damashek, she didn't let me play football, which is mm-hmm. a rarity in in uh, Western Pennsylvania. Most kids do, but I wasn't allowed because it was too dangerous. And in hindsight, good thing because if she would have let me play football, then I would have been really good. And then Penn State would have recruited me, mm-hmm. and it wouldn't have been my first choice. Like I say, I would have rather gone and played for Jackie Sherrill or or one of those guys at Pitt. And I, you know, I was against the Nittany Lions, but still, who knows? Maybe they're the only team to recruit me for whatever reason. Right. And then what if I go there? Then I go there. Then I would be their best player, and then I would probably win the Heisman Trophy. Mm-hmm. And then when all these penalties get handed down earlier this week, then I would be red in the face. So in other words. Thank you, Mo Damashek. You spared, See, yes. yeah, you, you spared me some shame. Guilt by association. But Good for you. i got to interrupt you here for a second. Go back. Bobby Bowden, 377 wins. Eddie Robinson, 408, which oh. my math might be weird. It's a little bit different. I think what you're thinking about, Bobby Bowden is the number one winningest coach in Division One. I. I said Division One. I'm surprised even that, though. because it was, was... A, it was a big thing because Paterno did pass Eddie Robinson for all-time college. So that was a big thing. So then, yeah, he falls past both of those guys. Bowden is the number one guy in Division One. Eddie Robinson, all-time college wins. Hmm. So All that, right. Well, so I, I stand corrected sort of. All right, Rank. Show me up on <laughs> Creep. If you were one of those Penn State kids, though, would you transfer? Would you stick it out? Because it seems like they have some some weird sense of loyalty, like, hey, we should. No, you know what? You guys, you had nothing to do with this. Go on. Go you know, if Silas Red wants to go to USC, go to USC. Nobody's going to blame you for doing it. Now, I don't think it's a problem if you leave there. Um, but if you grew up in that part of the country, if you grew up in that region and you were a Nittany Lion fan, I think you'd be inclined to stick around there. I think I, I'd be surprised if a lot of the blue chippers decommit or at least the kids that are there start transferring away. I wonder. The thing you always hear about is... Um, that these kids want to play in a bowl game. wonder how significant that is because mm-hmm. it's not like the Nittany Lions were 
regularly in the mix anyway for the national championship. Right. Is, is the bowl game that big a deal to these kids? They're going to miss their annual trip to the Outback Bowl. I think if you're from Florida and you went up there then and you were looking for the best situation to try and sort of highlight what you're about for the, to play in the NFL, then then you leave there. But if you're from the region and you're, you know, you're loyal to Penn State football and all that, I think maybe you stick around. And I like – Bill O'Brien, his commitment. I think that things will start to fall in place after that. If he felt, if, if it seemed at all wishy-washy with the head coach Bill O'Brien, maybe people would start peeling off there. But I think that his his mind seems right about. He's got it. a five million dollar buyout, so he's he's not going anywhere. Yeah, I suppose not. So you know, here's the other thing with the with this scandal, Nittany Lions. Maybe I think there's something to do with felines. I think it has something. The Lions, Nittany Lions. Then you have mm. the Detroit Lions. All right. They're in it. They haven't had a good yeah, offseason. A, a lot of trouble there. You have the Cincinnati Bengals. Nothing bad this year, but, of course, their body of work over the last decade or so speaks for itself. Justin Blackman pleads guilty to his DUI. Mm-hmm. He's with the Jaguars. That's another cat. Okay. Something okay. there. Something you think there's there. something there. But the Panthers, Cam Newton's turning that around. Cam Newton, yeah, maybe, yeah, but maybe he's the exception that proves the rule. Ooh. Is there something afoot with with uh, with feline? Nick and and the larger question is: My fantasy football and baseball teams are named the Cool Cats, spelled mm-hmm. with two Ks. Do I na- then feel some sort of you know that we haven't? Not a lot of misdeeds. You know, we're upstanding citizens. That's one of the requirements to be on the roster of the okay. Cool Cats. <laughs> But we haven't actually, we haven't uh, really, uh, Didn't you know. Did you have Cedric Benson on your team last year? Yeah, aren't you touting Des Bryant for your fantasy team this yeah, year? Yeah, maybe you're right. And but, but but besides that, we haven't even distinguished ourselves in a, uh, in a you know, in, in terms of winning a great deal in the last year or two. Maybe it's time to wash off the name Cool Cats. I don't know. It's something to think about. Hey, you know. All this, all this serious business with Penn State and obviously the terrible stuff in uh, Colorado last week, and uh, it's amazing to me. And then the, the you know Afghanistan and all that stuff. It's amazing to me that people that that sports journalists still take time out of their schedule to 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 talk about the hooey and applesauce to to wring their hands about. Dave Damashek wasn't serious enough with Santonio Holmes, but that's exactly what some writer from the New York Daily News was oh, the yeah. other day in the newspaper wrote about uh, wrote about our chat with Santonio Holmes. He was, you know, Santonio was a delight in here. Yeah, he's great. We ate pretzels. With was he? Him. Where, was he? Did he write about the pumpernickel pretzels? No, he didn't. Those weren't mentioned. Let me read to you quickly what he said. It was called the the the, uh, the headline was softball on NFL dot com. Now, if you missed the interview last week, episode seventy seven, I believe it was. You can dig that one up on iTunes or at Dave Damashek on NFL dot com. Um, we talked to San Antonio. He said that he felt like, listen, if the New York media wants to make trouble, stay away. Don't write about us. We're not trying to be disruptive in our locker room. We're focusing on wins. You guys are disrupting us from the outside looking in. Now, like I said, maybe a little naive on San Antonio's part to think mm-hmm. that the media should only say nice things. Maybe it's, you know, yeah. A co- but we're, you know, rank... We have a we have a nice time. We have, we have a nice time with Santoni and all the people that come in here into Studio sixty six. We have some laughs. We have a nice time because we're talking about football. After all, it's a, it's a fun thing to yap about. And um, 
and maybe even our casual style here in Studio 66 is what draws out some of these remarks. People feel more comfortable so that they can so that they can be more honest. Steve Smith of the Panthers has, has been in with us and has shared some things that otherwise would never have come out. Some interesting things about the Bounty Gate scandal with the Saints, for instance. Either way, either way, this uh, character from the New York Daily News says, "Softball on NFL.com." Santonio Holmes got a huge assist from Dave Damashek, who chatted with him on his podcast. The interview, in quotes, he says, uh, was an ultimate Twinkie munch. A Twinkie, Twinkie munch. munch? Yeah. Well, you you like Twinkies, right? Sure. I don't know what that what that uh, how, what that has to do with us. Damashek lob leading questions. It was questions. pumpernickel pretzels, not yes. Twinkies. I know. It's, it's like Did he even a, listen? Is he a journalist? Yes. Where's where's his journalistic integrity? <laughs> you know, Damashek lob leading questions when he asked again in quotes. I don't even know what that means. He asked Holmes to turn that on the media. Well. You asked him that, Rank. I get no credit? No, you didn't even get mentioned. After Holmes' riff on the New York media ended, Damashek said, I love that. Yeah, I did love it. And then I had him take a bite of a pumpernickel pretzel pretzel to punctuate his point even further. Not a Twinkie. Which was great, yeah. It wasn't all bad. And then he sarcastically says, Damashek did manage to get in one probing question when he asked, Pittsburgh or the Jets, better uniform. (laughs) <laughs> that was a that's beneath this uh, this serious minded journalist. Excuse me for not taking it seriously enough for you for me talking to a football player and having some fun with him. How dare I not hold his feet to the fire? How how dare I not play uh, gotcha journalism with uh, with Santonio Holmes? Ridiculous. Anyway, let's uh, let you know what we're going to talk. Uh, <laughs> Sports writers. I, well, uh, really, I mean. Look, I, I That's don't know. what you're upset about? Here's the about? confusion. Now, here's the confusion. I think people think that somehow, I don't, I, apparently this guy, is he confusing me with a, with, with a journalist? Am I, am I a, a reporter trying to break news? No. I'm talking about football and having fun from a fan's perspective, Rank. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's right. I snuck in. Pat Kamish Goodell brought me into the fold. Why? Because I'm a football fan. I didn't play the game. I didn't coach the game. Yeah, I, I just told you, I wasn't even allowed to play football. And yet here I sit. Why? Because, and what, what's my credibility? Where's my credibility come from, Rank? I'll tell you where. 40 years. 40 years of watching day in and day out, living and dying with my team. This thing of a, no, where's the objectivity? Yeah, there is no objectivity. That's exactly right. Wouldn't you, would you want it any other way? Would you, would you want me to be somebody who doesn't have a favorite football team? What kind of weirdo would that, would I be to be, to, to love football and love to talk about, but I, but I don't really care about no. who wins and loses. All those of guys, course I do. So many of those guys and you go and, you know, I've been, you know, I've, spent time in NFL locker rooms and hung out with people like this. All of them are so put out that they're covering the NFL. Like, oh, this is just – like they act like it's the worst job in the world and they're just beaten down by this horrible job of watching games and traveling to all these cities across the country. And they're these self-serious people. It, it's why I'm happy to do this. Yeah, I don't want to – you know what? You can ask – you can try to trap Santonio Holmes, try to get him to say something he shouldn't do. You know what? I'll sit here and eat pretzels with him and have a good time. That's exactly right. Yes. Save your snark for someone else, bub. Anyway, all right, let's uh, let's turn the page. Well, not exactly turn the page. Let's talk to uh, to another member of the New York Jets and see if we can trap him. Trap him. Let's get I don't want I don't want to trap him. Actually, he's coming to us uh, on the telephone line. It's the Brickishaw Ferguson. What's happening to Brickishaw? Yeah, I'm all right. Can't complain. How are you, number sixty? How do you think about? Well, let me let me start with uh, one week ago here in Studio sixty six. 
we had uh, your teammate, number 10, say Antonio Holmes, in, and uh, he made some comments that uh, got quite a bit of national play. He said that he feels the New York media, if they don't have nice things to say, then they shouldn't say anything at all. They should support the New York Jets so that there isn't acrimony in the locker room. I don't know if you heard about that, but what was your response to what is your response to uh, to some of that sort of talk out of San Antonio? You know, I didn't hear the the full comments of uh, San Antonio. I mean, I, I recognize that you know the media is. Um, you know, they have a job to do and we have a job to do. And so, I mean, ultimately we have to find some type of way to work together. <laughs> but, um, you know, as you can see, sometimes it's good and sometimes it's bad. But, um, you know, that's just what it is at this point. I'm a little hurt that you didn't hear the interview. Well, you're not a you're not an avid avid listener to the Dave Damashek football program? <laughs> uh, I said I was working out, so I just missed it. Ah, uh, a, a, a good excuse. A good excuse. <laughs> what do you think, the Brickishaw? I mean, do you, you must hear that a lot. Do you feel that you have the coolest name in the NFL? I mean, I, I know I have a unique name. You know, my dad named me after uh, the Thornbirds and uh, the 1983 TV miniseries, and um, you know, I, you know, there's a lot in that name. So you know, I'm glad that uh, you know when people sometimes call me Brick. You know, I'm like, you know what? That's not my full name. I'm the Brickershaw, so I like my name. Yeah, <laughs> I've suggested, you know, they that uh, you know these the, whoever is in charge of these things, the weather, uh, the meteorologists of the world, they name these hurricanes after ter- you know, like Debbie. There was a recent one. I think there was right. a Hurricane Debbie, which I think is a, a slap in the face of the people that have to suffer. I think it would be way better if there was a hurricane to Brickershaw. What do you think about that? Hurricane to Brickershaw. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, we should try that. You know, I want to know how many times the uh, the meteorologists are going to mess that up before they get it right, though. <laughs> every time somebody has to uh, reference it, they'll be like, "Hurricane to Um Brookish, uh, that I think that's right. I think that's right. So it'll be interesting to hear how many times they fumble with that name. Well, no, what they would do, they'd just call it Hurricane Brick. And then that's not the Brookishaw. Yes. The he doesn't want that, right? He doesn't like that at all. <laughs> all right, let's talk football now. The The buzz, of course, is about uh, – you probably have heard a thing or two about this, that uh, you guys brought in Tim Tebow in the offseason, and people are worried, mm-hmm. how's he going to get along with Mark Sanchez and vice versa? What is the state of this? We hear that Tebow is going to be in there in red zone situations. How's it all coming together? I think that is a big question, and I think that's what everybody wants to know. But, you know, fortunate for us, you know, we're still in the planning stage, and we're kind of making all those decisions. So, I mean, we just ask that you guys sit back and relax and watch a great season because, you know, we'll handle that. You know, we also saw reports that he might be the kick return. Please tell me they were joking. That's that's Rex Ryan just being funny, right? I, I, have, I have no information about that at all. <laughs> I, I have no clue. <laughs> well, if Tim Tebow is in there, of course we know that that means that uh, at least in those situations the team's going to be running the ball a little bit more. What about Sean Green? Ladanian Tomlinson, of course, gone now. Sean Green is going to be the man if you guys are going to have success on the ground. How's Sean Green looking? Sean is a great back. You know, and I think the one thing that uh, I really respect about Sean is, you know, he's a hard runner. If you ever remember our uh, Kansas City games, or excuse me, Cincinnati games, uh, those, I mean, Sean, those were some of his best games where he was busting out, breaking guys down. So, you know, I know when Sean, uh, you know, is given that rock that he's going to make things happen. So, I mean, it's just added um, incentives for me as an offensive lineman to make sure that, hey, let's clear some ways, let's clear some holes, and allow this guy to do work, you know, because 
That's what he does best. Something I talked with Santonio about, something that I have talked about ad nauseum in the, over the last couple of years, is the AFC title game in Heinz Field a couple of years ago. You were right there on the line. Brian Schottenheimer has uh, has moved on, of course. What did you think in the third quarter? You guys were getting a dynamite push against that uh, against that Steelers run uh, run defense, something that teams rarely do. And Sean Green and uh, you guys were really having your way against the Steelers defense. Did you think at the time on fourth and goal at the two inch line? Did you think Sean Green should have been in there? And if he was, do you think maybe you go on and uh, and win that game? You know, I, I, I kind of hate looking back, you know, because what happens is what happens. You know, I don't like to kind of, you know, mess with my mind and be like, I wish or I wish or we could have or you know, I don't even play that game. You know, we played the game the way we thought we were going to have success and it didn't turn out in the, in the manner that we wanted to. And, and that's going back a little too far. I mean, last year we could say the same things about, oh, well, we didn't do certain things that we could have done and had success there. So I don't really like to play that game as far as, you know, trying to change the past. I mean, we have an opportunity now to do something spectacular. We still have Sean Green. He's an excellent back. We have a great offensive line. I mean, we're, we're going to do some nice things this year. So, I mean, the focus should be on, you know, what's going to happen this year and what's in our, our power to do. And, like I said, we have greatness written all over us. So it's just a matter of time. Well, you got a new offensive coordinator. Tony Sperano comes in from Miami. So, so tell us, what is, what is in store? What do you expect from the offense this season? You know, I think uh, the one thing that I, I, I like about uh, Sperano is just that, um, you know, not, uh, he has a, he's, he's very, uh, I think he, he knows what he wants and he, he expects a lot from his players. And um, I think that um, is going to work well for us just because uh, we all know that this is a new opportunity for us and uh, we want to we win. Everybody wants to win. We want to win the most. So we're going to apply that. Um, intentionally and we're gonna we're gonna try to make that happen all right listen to brickishaw i i'm gonna put you on the spot convince me because i have watched all three of uh, mark sanchez's seasons he's had some great moments there convince me of why mark sanchez can take you guys to a super bowl i think first and foremost is experience whether it be uh no matter what type of experience you've had you can always use that as a tool for the future and I know even in my personal experience from my first year in this league to my years now, experience has allowed me to grow, you know, whether it be watching tape of another defender that I played against, whether it be watching tape of another offensive tackle that I played or that I'm trying to emulate, uh, it's experience. And Mark is a matured individual where not only is he growing in this league every year he plays, his experiences are allowing him to learn and grow as well. And I think if you're the quarterback of a team that's been to two AFC championship games, you know what it takes to be in the playoff run. You know what it takes to, 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 to fight and grind, and, and it's a big deal. And also for me, I mean, I recognize when you don't uh, win sometimes that desire that it creates. So he's the perfect man for the job. He's going to get it done because he's been through – Everything, he has had success, he's had disappointment. He's had guys around him that have been around him for the last three years and know what it is to struggle and know what it is to have success. So we're all, we're all on board. It's just, you know, when it's our time, it'll be our time. But 
you know, he's demonstrated that, and his experience is going to allow him to continue to succeed and lead us to a championship. All right, well, let's get into it, DeBrickishaw. You make a nice case there. Sanchez, and then, like we, st- we say, there's also Tim Tebow. Let's compare and contrast these two guys. First of all, who can throw a football farther? I'm sorry, what was that? Who can throw the football farther, Sanchez or go, Tebow? I'm not going to compare and contrast the two guys. I'm not going <laughs> to do that. I mean, like I said, I think Sanchez is our guy. Um, Tim Tebow is a great guy, you know, and we'll see how this works out. But I'm not going to compare and contrast those well, guys. Well, who has better suits? Can you can you come down on that one? <laughs> you know, I uh, that's actually my department. I, I like wearing suits, so I'm gonna I'm gonna steal that title. Uh, so best best uh, suit wear on the Jets, DeBrickashaw. Who has who has better taste in music, Tebow or Sanchez? I'm not comparing you guys. <laughs> I'm just not going to do it. All right, I be, see. Who would be more likely to go see <laughs> The Dark Knight with you? Are you is it still involving two guys again? Maybe. <laughs> I'm, I'm moving on. I'm moving he's a on. diplomat. He is. Don't you see he's the Brickishaw the diplomat there? All right, let's talk about the fact that you said who you like to emulate uh, among the uh, tackles in the NFL. What's your take on uh, on bringing in Jeff Oda now? All of a sudden, nice uh, couple of bookends potentially for you guys. I mean, that was new news. Um, and so, you know, I'm still trying to digest that, but um, – We'll see what happens. Again, uh, Wayne Hunter, I, I think, is a great uh, tackle, and I think he's going to continue to have success. Um, so until any official moves or anything is made, I, I'm going to continue to believe what we have is what we are going to use to win, uh, to continue to win. How, um, and uh, one more question about uh, the Jets, and then I definitely want to talk about uh, your first book that you've got coming out here. But uh, Rex Ryan, has he shed 100 pounds? How's he look? Yes, uh, Rex, Rex is good, man. He's living up to the name, Sexy Rex. I mean, he's he's doing well, man. He's uh he's trimming down, and uh, I mean, everybody's real happy for him because uh, you tell he's been working real hard on that, and uh, I think he's looking good. In fact, you know, he's probably gonna have to get some suits because uh, you know he's, he's so he's so lean now. <laughs> well, what about that though? Is isn't the, is the summertime? Is that the easier time to shed the weight, or is it in season when he's sitting in the uh, in the film room, in the meeting room, that's where where, where you run into trouble with the late night pizzas and such. Hmm, I don't know. I mean, um, I guess, like I said, he made he made the most of this opportunity uh, during this off season. Um, but I think you know we'll just uh, continue to encourage him, you know, and uh, hopefully it'll be very long lasting and uh, you know get the best of it. Okay, and uh, you're going to be at uh, Barnes and Noble. Uh, Country Glen Center in uh, in Carl Place, New York, coming up uh, this Saturday. Um, correction, correction. I was. Oh, you were there. I'm looking at the date there. You're yeah. already there. I'm yeah. sorry. I'm behind. I was already there. Great event, and uh, I'm glad you mentioned it because, you know, I'm so happy. So many people from Freeport and, and the surrounding areas came out support uh, supported that. So that was a real successful event. So I just want to say thank you for everybody that attended. Sure, and uh, it's your first book, uh, Bricks Way. Talk about that real quick. You know, um, I guess as an athlete, as a husband, as a, as a, you know, involved in the foundation, I wear a lot of hats. And the one thing that was always a reoccurring theme is, you know, we try to mentor um, high school seniors um, with the foundation. And then we try to mentor kind of a little bit a younger group with our Build-A-Bike program. But the one thing that we wanted to do was even start younger. We really wanted to capture that whole kind of um, learning process. And uh, the book was an attempt 
to not only give back to, to Freeport because I make mention of Gibbland, a school I attended when I was in elementary school and high school, but I also uh, wanted to attack that age uh, because I know that, you know, uh, it's important to, to be involved in the lives of, of, of those kids at that level as well. Well, uh, you're obviously a good guy and, uh, like we say, a diplomat. And uh, according to you, at least, a well-dressed man, too. I'm, I'm going to have to judge. I'll, I, I, but yeah, I, please do. Please do. <laughs> I'll give you my feedback. I'll give you my feedback to Brickish. And we'll, we'll also uh, put a bug in the ear of uh, the meteorologists of the world that uh, one day soon we need to see Hurricane DeBrickishaw, not Hurricane Brick rank. Uh, DeBrickishaw Ferguson, best wishes to you going up against Tom Brady and company and the hard-charging Buffalo Bills and all the rest. And uh, have a good training camp, man. Appreciate the time. I uh, thank you. Thank you a lot. There he goes, DeBrickishaw Ferguson. Nice fella. He was. Nice he guy. doesn't see. He doesn't want to take your bait, Rank. He really? doesn't want to listen to you about all your nonsense about Sanchez or Tebow, Tebow or he Sanchez. Doesn't? It's not. Uh, it's not either or. It's and. That's where he's coming from, Rank. Do you mm-hmm. see that? He's saying it's Tebow and Sanchez. We're all one. I'm not going to take your bait on that. Yeah, your bait of who throws farther. Well, that's that's a, fair a good question. One. That's, that's a football question. That's a good one. To, that's a good one to wade into the pool with. That's it. We're just exactly. going to kind of saunter into I this. Slow, I was getting into it there. You then weren't you, slow. You, you dropped the it. hammer. Then you go with you the hammer. You went all in before the flop. Who throws the ball farther? That's, that's a fair football question. Well, I you feel. start with the suits, and then who who's got better? Well, taste by the way, that, that's a softball question too. Obviously, I I would hope it would be Sanchez. You think Tebow can throw a ball farther down the field than Mark no. Sanchez can? No, but I don't know that it, how how much of a softball it is. You guys should have asked him who would have been a better sparring opponent because he's a black belt in karate. Oh, black tie. Where were you on that black belt question two minutes hey, ago? I fed it to you guys before Did the you know? show. It's not my fault. Creep. Brought- oh, look at you patting yourself on the back. I fed it to hey, you guys. Look, I gave you a rundown. You didn't four, put it four minutes before the show. You didn't put Some a produce- hashtag. You didn't put a yeah. hashtag in front of it, so I had to ignore it. All right, Rank. In honor of DeBrickishaw, he's a you know a diplomat. Fine, he didn't want to choose Tebow or Sanchez. But what if you're a New York Jets fan and you're in mm-hmm. the market for a jersey? You want to support the Jets this season? We're doing it for all 32 teams. We did it a week or two ago, and once again we got away from it. But we did the Miami Dolphins. We're going to try to do every team here. Let's do the New York Jets now. One jersey, not to say it has to be somebody on the 2012 roster. Anybody from the history of the New York Jets, the Brickishaw won't choose. Tebow or Sanchez, he probably mm. would like to get one of those ones like moms wear when they right. so Eli and Peyton are playing Laura each other. Quinn wore. Yeah, they wear the 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 fifty fifty jersey. Um, who do you think is the best Jets jersey to own? I have some thoughts on it. Joe Namath, too easy. Joe Namath, because there'll be so many out there. I know there are some teams. It's not as easy as we're not looking for a competition of who's the best player in franchise right. history. But Namath is pretty cool. They, in this case, cool that's one. a pretty good one to to be walking around. Is it with. is it cool to wear a Namath Crimson Tide jersey? Wow, that's yeah, that's spectacular. I that's, don't know if that's cooler though than wearing a Jets. Yeah, it's a, Jets a little jersey. bit different. But yeah, I yeah, I hear you. I do think that's a pretty cool that now you can go out and get some of those college old uh, time college th- those ones. college ones. Um, what about what Namath they- is? I, I mean, I think you know, name. We're making it too tough on ourselves if you say 
there's definitely one better than Namath. No. That's up at the top there for sure. Sorry to lead off with the with the No, soft. it's a great one. I know it was a, a twinkie munch of a response right there to just to just go Joe Namath. I thought of one guy uh, that we've talked about recently, Joe Klecko, number 73, I believe. You guys might remember him. He was Captain Chaos from the Cannonball Run. Well, let me tell you something, Rank. I feel like Klecko... Somebody, some a man of your carriage can get away with the seventy three Klecko. You know, you can get away with a big lineman, but mm-hmm. for for the more willowy sorts like myself, it looks weird. A big, you know, the big number is too big. Right. I can't walk around in a Debrickashaw jersey, for instance. The sixty just doesn't look right on me. Right. You see, it's got to be a QB, maybe a wide receiver. And can so, I jump in real quick to say that I know that Joe Klecko wasn't Captain Chaos and Cannonball Run, but Dave lost his car to me. About three episodes ago, betting me that Joe Klecko was the guy who ro- who drove the GMC truck in Cannonball Run, not not the not the gray van which he actually did. And now I drive around in Dave's former BMW. What BMW? Yes, yeah, I think you're confusing me with uh, Dick Eisen or someone else. Um, <laughs> that's uh, I, I certainly don't. Uh, I don't. I, I'm not in that pay grade for the BMW. <laughs> um, so all right, I think. Among one, the the coolest the coolest current Jets jersey you can own is uh, is Revis. Mm-hmm. Is that is that uh, that's hard to argue? Agreed. Do you agree? Yeah, and if he gets a long term deal, he's not going to go anywhere. So yeah, Revis is the man to, to, to wear. If you're a Jets guy, so if you're in the market and you want it to be a current New York Jet, I think Revis is your choice. But if you dig back into history, Namath is a great one. Here's a good one. Freeman McNeil's number 24. Now, the problem with that is going to be that it's in the era when the Jets weren't wearing their better uniforms. The one mm-hmm. that they wore with Namath. Then in 1978-ish, they switched to a green hat away from the white hats. They the switched to the green Todd. hat. Yes, the Richard Todd era, who is a jersey you definitely do not want to no. own if you are a Jets fan. You, you want to wipe that memory clean from your brain. And I don't think you want Doug Bryan, the guy who missed those kicks in the divisional round of uh, the AFC playoffs some years ago. Mm-hmm. When, remember, he could have – I don't exactly what could he – he could have won the game. I, he missed Pittsburgh. two kicks. But, again, he's another guy who gets a little bit too much blame because in Heinz Field it's hard to make kicks in January because of the wind and the, and the sod and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, but the previous week – San Diego did the same thing as they settled for the field goal instead of trying to punch it in. Yeah, they and then need- the Jets go out and make the exact same mistake. No, they all deserve but it. But still, you probably don't want a Doug Bryan jersey. No. I don't even advise you to get a Mark Sanchez. But if you're an optimistic sort, go ahead and get that one. Where's the Gastineau jersey from? Again, that's for you. A man of your carriage can pull off the 99. I cannot pull that one off. I maybe go Altoon. Altoon? Altoon. Over a- Wesley Walker? Wesley Walker, eighty-five, is also a nifty one to get. But the pro- again, the problem is is that you have to wear the green, the plainer green jersey, not as handsome as uh, their current ones. And the other one I'll go with number thirteen, Don Maynard. Don Maynard, that's a nice uh, handsome jersey. The uh, only other favorite 13, target of uh, Namath, yeah. The only other number thirteen retired in NFL history next to Dan Marino. Is that true? That Interesting. Is true. And I advised uh, number 13, Jake Scott for Miami Dolphins fans, the guy who wore that ahead of Dan Marino. He was the Super Bowl MVP in Super Bowl Seven for his two interceptions. Yeah, absolutely. A little bit of football history can for I do? Can I do one more? Please. Which one I think might please. be cool. What about John Riggins? Riggins is a cool one, though. And yeah, it's cool. There's a hip factor to yeah. that one. His best stuff didn't happen, obviously, 
in uh, in no. NYC, but it but in Shea Stadium, but still a neat one to wear. And do you have to have the mohawk? Oh yeah, that's it. Wow, you, you got a, a ready-made Halloween outfit if yeah. you just get yourself a Rigo jersey and get out the buzz, uh, get out the uh, the razor. There. Well, you probably not me. That would that would be the world's saddest mohawk. <laughs> Matter of fact, you maybe should start walking around telling everybody you have a mohawk. <laughs> you should just claim, yeah, I'm wearing a mohawk now. I'd like you to try to grow a mohawk. That would be the saddest mohawk ever. All right, listen, let's turn the page now to uh, and talk some uh, Pittsburgh Steeler football in front of training camp getting going there in Latrobe, PA. It's a funny thing because right now the, uh, the town there is buzzing about the Pittsburgh Pirates, but uh, I think Eventually, I think in about a month or so, the uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers might be on the tips of uh, Pittsburghers' tongues. So let's get to our chat with Ed Bouchette right now. Hello, Ed. How are you? Dave? Yes. I just got finished writing that they signed Tomlin to a contract extension. This is excellent news and, uh, and, and great timing to have you with us. Of course, we're speaking to Ed Bouchette, rank seated to my right. Let me say this to you. For whatever reason, I don't get nervous talking to any of these NFL guys that walk mm-hmm. in here. I don't care about the celebrities in, in uh, showbiz. They don't make me nervous. But talking to Ed Bouchette, a man whose work I've read since 1985, in the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, one of the best in the business. You can also hear him on 93.7 in uh, in Pittsburgh, PA, talking sports. It is Ed Bouchette. And, yes, so like I say, fitting to have you on, and I'm thrilled to be speaking with you. Are your hands really shaking right now? I mean, he, you're yeah, so I'm, nervous talking to me? I'm sitting next to him. It is pretty bad. He's, he's white. His face is white. It's I, just... I, I'm mopping my brow with a terrible towel <laughs> as we sweat speak. Started. So where shall we start then, Ed Bouchette? So many directions to go here. I guess the biggest story um, of the offseason in Pittsburgh, Mike Wallace notwithstanding, is uh, Todd Haley and Ben Roethlisberger. Are they going to play nice all season long? I think they will, uh, Dave. You know, hey, who knows what kind of bumps in the road they'll, they, they'll go through. Even Bill O'Brien was caught shouting at Tom Brady on the sidelines. So. Hmm. Um, uh, you know, Todd could very well, they could very well get into it. But, um, you know, Ben's 30 now. He's married. He's having a baby. Uh, he really wants to accomplish some team goals, more team goals before he's done. He, he's, he was ticked off. He didn't, they didn't win that Super Bowl because uh, that would have given them three. And, uh, I, yeah, I think he's going to knuckle down and, and has knuckled down and tried to learn this offense. Well, what is it? Let's go back, though. The Bruce Arians connection with Roethlisberger, a lot made of that, that Roethlisberger really vouched for him when Tomlin and company were ready to to uh, move Arians out a couple of years ago. What is that owed to? Is it as simple as that Roethlisberger was allowed to call his shots at the line of scrimmage and he's he's not so sure that Haley's going to let him do it or that Haley's going to force the team to run the ball more? What uh, What is the story there? Well, I think it goes back to when Ken Wisenhunt was here um, um, in Ben's first year, and and Ben kind of bristled under under Ken. Um, Ken maybe held his uh, held him more on the straight and narrow, and uh, you know jumped on him a little more. And Bruce came in with uh, um, tender, loving care, if you will, hmm. and uh, you know they developed a close relationship to the point where uh, Bruce bought a place down in Atlanta on a lake and had Ben down, you know, a couple times, and Ben wound up buying a place right near him down there So, uh, in Georgia. So, um, 
Uh, they, you know, they, they'd go on golfing trips together. They, they were really close. So you take that um, away. Uh, he's a guy who's been with them for a while, a friend. And now you insert somebody he doesn't know who has a reputation of uh, maybe uh, uh, getting on his quarterbacks a little bit and, uh, you know, wants him to run the ball more, wants him to do some, make some changes in his game. And I think it was kind of natural for Ben to resist maybe too strong, but to, to make it sound like he was not real happy about it. And then I want to go back to something you just you just touched on about Ben Roethlisberger going for the, the team goals and the Super Bowls, and he wish he had a third. Now another guy who went in the first round of the 2004 NFL draft, Eli Manning, got his second one. Does, does Ben have a rivalry with him? Is that something where he looks like, you know, I want to be the quarterback from this draft class that has the most Super Bowl rings? I've never heard him say that. I don't know if he thinks that, Adam, um, but I have never heard him say that. Um, you know, he's usually complimentary of what other guys do, especially in his, his draft class. I think he's kind of proud that the, that class has done so well. Everybody's talking about uh, the. It seems like an outdated statement to make, but people, I, I keep reading that uh, the Steelers' defense is old. To say that, what are they going to do? The defense is so old. I don't know if anybody's been paying attention for the last six months, but it seems to me like they've turned that around. Certainly, at the front three, there they're they're nice and young up front now. In fact, at all three levels, my concern is for for twenty twelve is the safety spot there. As many teams, obviously the Patriots love running those tight ends up the middle of the field, and it seems like more and more teams are starting to try to do that. Do you perceive that to be a weakness for the Steelers, Troy Palomalu specifically, as much praise as he gets around the NFL? Are you concerned about him in pass coverage um, and what they do to cover up that deficiency? No, I really never have been concerned about Troy Palomalu, Dave, uh, other than his uh, health. That's really where it, where it would end for me. Uh, you know, both he and Ryan Clark, both they both made the Pro Bowl. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know what number that is for Troy, but it may have been like number six, and he's also a former NFL Defensive Player of the Year. Now, again, his health is what concerns people more than anything, um, and they really don't have strong backups there. So uh, I, I think actually that, you know, the safeties are in pretty good hands uh, at safety, uh, cornerback has been the problem. I guess everybody isn't Tom Brady, but I, I, I guess I have nightmares still, Ed, when I think about uh, the AFC title game from 2005 and other games when they go up against Brady. He, it seems that he has a real knack for duping Palomalu with some play action at the line, and we see a wide receiver running 10 yards behind Palomalu um, trying to catch up there. I guess that's my concern that uh, Palomalu isn't the greatest in pass coverage. What about that second corner spot, though, now that we'll William Gay moves on. Who, which of the youngsters is going to step up there? Do you imagine and uh, and grab that? You know, I uh, I was doing a chat today, Dave, and somebody asked me that um, same question, and I, I I think it's up for grabs in training camp. I really do. Um, you know, they they have three guys there, uh, starting with Keenan Lewis, the oldest one, who was running number one in the spring. You know, he moved up to the nickel last year. Uh, this is his. Uh, this is his fourth year, so it's time for him. If he doesn't mm-hmm. step up now, you, you can kiss him goodbye, I think, next year. Uh, and the other two guys he drafted last year, they liked his rookies, um, uh, Cortez Allen and Curtis Brown. Um, I, so I think one of those three, and uh, my, my money right now is maybe on Curtis Brown or Allen 
Uh, they just seem to talk more about them when they talk about the cornerback spot. And what about the entire uh, AFC North? Let's look. Let's is Baltimore the team to beat there still? Uh, you know, Adam, I I don't know why Baltimore is the team to beat. Uh, really, uh, they beat the Steelers twice last year. Um, just like you know the previous year, the Steelers beat them twice. I, I think they're kind of even. In fact, they both had the same record last year, twelve and four, and. The Ravens won the division based on their sweep of the Steelers, and based really on a, a last-minute drive uh, when they scored with, I think it was six seconds left. It was a, a great drive in Pittsburgh that won it for them. But, no, I think those two teams are, are pretty well even, and I think Cincinnati's still a year away anyway. Since he scares me, but uh, no Suggs for the Ravens makes uh, that defense uh, is a serious, obvious blow to uh, to the Ravens. What about uh, the Steelers' defense, James Harrison? Do you expect that this is his last season in the black and gold? You know, I, I, he's getting up there. I think he's thirty four now. Um, he's had his back issues, but you know, he missed five games last year, Dave. But none of them had to do with his back. One, he was suspended by the league. The other four, you know, he broke his eyeball or broke his eye socket. Mm-hmm. Um, and even though he missed those five games, he still had nine sacks, uh, tying Lamar Woodley. And Woodley's another case. Uh, he missed half the season with a hamstring injury. He had nine sacks after eight games. So I think I, – I don't know if this is James last year. I know that's been speculated on because of his contract next year and everything else. But sometimes those things have a way of working themselves out if a player can still play – um, so I, you know, it, it depends on his health. I, he's a workout maniac, and I, I haven't seen him slip on the field at all. You know, when he's out mm-hmm. there playing, he's a pretty top-notch guy. What do you think about? Uh, well, two-part question here with Haley in there. The speculation that they might run the ball some more. Then you also hear and read that uh, that maybe they're not going to throw. They're not going to run the ball anymore, but that they're going to focus more in camp on uh, establishing the ground game. Either way, Isaac Redman figures to be the number one. What do you think about Baron Batch? What do you think about Jonathan Dwyer? Do, first of all, do you think the Steelers run the ball more? And secondly, if they are running the ball more, who's getting all those carries? I don't know that they're necessarily going to run it more, Dave. Um, I, I think they're going to, to uh, try and run it better. They're going to practice it more. I had talked to Joe Green about this uh, after the season, uh, how they, they, they don't even – he was upset that they wouldn't even practice that much running the, running the ball. Now, as for who's going to do it, I don't know after Redmond. Uh, I think it's really wide open. I do know this Chris Rainey, they're going to use him all over the place, a rookie from Florida. Mm-hmm. They love him. I mean, the veterans couldn't stop talking about him in the spring. Um, you know, he's a Sprouls-like kind of guy, and uh, I think they're going to use him a lot in different roles. But how John Clay, Jonathan Dwyer, Baron Batch fall in that pecking order i really don't know and i don't think they have even with richard mendenhall opening the season on pup i don't think they have room for all those guys because they have a fullback too now you think mendenhall so by the end of the season you think he'll be out there in uniform i think it depends on uh how these other guys are doing first of all and um you know i guess he's he's tweeted that his his knee is healing beautifully um but I don't know how he's going to be a better runner after an ACL tear. And, uh, you know, if they need the help, I think they take him off pop. If they don't, it wouldn't surprise me at all if they just leave him there. 
Ed, there are so many things I'd love to talk to you about personnel-wise, and hopefully we can uh, do that in the future. But one thing I have to bring up with you is one of the deans in, in the Pittsburgh sports media Maybe you can get behind this. Rocky Blyer got behind it. Dwight White, the late great, got behind this. I think, I know I know the Roonies are adverse to the ideas of statues outside Heinz Field, but, you know, you look just down the street there, and there's the Clemente, there's the Honus Wagner, there's the Pop Stargell. And, uh, and by the way, I, I can't believe we're talking about the fringy sport of NFL football with the Pirates doing what they're doing. That's really what we should be yapping about. But either way, what do you think outside of Heinz Field? I think they should erect the original front four of the Steel Curtain statues, Mean Joe, Fats Holmes, Dwight White, Elsie Greenwood, giant statues made of steel to to intimidate all opposing teams rolling into Heinz Field. How say you? Adam, they're not big on pomp and circumstance. (laughs) Uh, you, You saw what just happened to a statue you said down the road. A little farther down the road, you saw what happened to one of the statues. <laughs> I heard Saturday. about that. Yeah, we're yeah. in Happy Valley. I wouldn't, you know, they don't have a ring of honor. Uh, they have put out their 75th all-time team. They have done that. They did it in the 50th year, too. But I wouldn't expect to see any more statues next to Art Rooney Seniors anytime soon. Okay, fair enough. All right, Ed Bouchette, uh, love your work as always. Follow him on Twitter, at Ed Bouchette, and, uh, of course, at uh, at uh, post-gazette.com. Track him down there. He's the best in the business. Ed, we appreciate the time. We would love to check in with you maybe uh, before kickoff uh, in uh, in September. Yeah, anytime. Um, you know, just uh, send me a tweet. I will do that. Thanks very much, man. Enjoy uh, enjoy Latrobe. Thanks, Ed. Okay, thanks. The great Ed Bouchette. That's a he's a pro's pro, Rank. Right. I, he, he wouldn't call your your interview a Twinkie Munch at all. I wonder if he would. I should have asked him about that. <laughs> well, well, maybe next time because I've, I've I've really wanted to get. Uh, um, Ed on the show for some time, and uh, I thought I felt the timing was right in front of training camp. Maybe we could get him right before the season gets going. Here, I'd like to ask him that question. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I, although I don't like that he didn't like my steel curtain statue idea. No, he was, but he makes a good point. I do. I like, know the Roonies some, don't like it. They don't like honoring individuals. Then the Raiders, the Cowboys, the Cowboys have the Ring of Honor, but no retired jerseys. Ring of Honor is the coolest thing to do. Instead of retiring, I, I you know, I'm sure that the Celtics, for instance, regret that they started retiring numbers yes. because now you have to do it. And, you know, what happens now after this um, era completely is over with? Ray Allen is probably Ray Allen though is probably now signed away any chance that he ever had of of getting his. Probably right. He's not going to yeah. get oh, his no, number no, hung no. up there. No. If Rondo plays out his career. You have to put his number up there. Paul Pierce, obviously, and Kevin Garnett. And you have to put Kevin Garnett up there, too. Well, how many numbers are going to be left? They really are going to go triple digits or negative numbers or something like that at some point. Somebody's going to have the at symbol. (laughs) But, I mean, so, yeah. So the ring of honor removes that uh, Mm -hmm. from being an issue. You just Yeah, because the Cowboys. Why why, why wouldn't you do that? Yeah, Bad to have a ring of honor for the Steelers? Yeah, there's two ways to go with that, though, because the Cowboys have the ring of honor. They don't retire numbers, but you will not see somebody wearing number 12. And I I would imagine you'll never see somebody wearing number eight. The Raiders will let anybody wear number 12. Like, I think Jacoby Ford wears number 12, or he did at some point. Uh, Curtain Jerkers wearing number 32 for the Raiders. Like, wait, wait, wait. 
I get that you're not going to have Marcus Allen's number retired, but don't give it out, and you just don't give it to anybody. Yeah, it's, I, I kind of like the unspoken rule. Yes, that the uh, the the unwritten rule, I should say. That well, I would uh, say the Steelers probably would never give out twelve. Would the they? Steel, yeah, nobody's ever worn tw- since Bradshaw went. Nobody's worn twelve. Nobody's 32. ever worn seventy-five for Mean Joe's number. Nobody's ever worn fifty-eight, and uh, nobody's worn thirty-two. Mm-hmm. And I think I could be wrong, but I think those are the only ones mm-hmm. people have worn eighty-eight. Um, for Lynn, you know, Lynn Swan's number there. But, yeah, I think that those four are protected pretty much. But, yeah, it's, it's not it's not, it's not not etched in stone anywhere. It's just understood you don't hand those out. What would have happened if Andrew Luck would have been drafted by the Pittsburgh Steelers, the guy who wears number 12? Would they have bent the rules for him, or would they have just been like, hey, look? Just- That's a great question because, again, it would be one thing if it was retired. It's, oh, well, Andrew Luck, sorry, you're out of luck, you know, but – but in that case, wonder what if he was a really high profile that kind of guy, number one overall. I really want to wear this number. It's always been really fights for it. Would they would they bend on that? Hmm. Another question for Ed Bouchette for us to address. Speaking of numbers, we honor the episode that with the uh, player who wore that number best in sports history. Seventy nine is this episode number rank. Who do we have there? Well, there is uh, Harvey Martin. Who a, lot of, a lot of people will remember Ed Tuttle Jones was one of the more famed members of the Cowboys. Good Doomsday trivia question, defense. though. Good. But he was, yeah, Super Bowl co-MVP with Randy White. Um, Bob St. Clair was a longtime San Francisco 49er or 79, but, you know, nobody nobody remembers him. Not well, a that's a little harsh. I had a wonderful chat with uh, Bob St. Clair at, uh, in Canton one year ago. He was a— We remember. I know, we he's a man's him. man, yeah. I, I I feel like we're not the good base of like who remembers I know people like that. Black tie has never heard of anyone. Who- He's the opposite. He's we got to find the median between the three of us here. So that's it. Bob St. Clair and Harvey Martin are our only two choices. Eh? Roosevelt Brown, or you can mix up two athletes, which I do, and you come up with David Brees with David Beckham and Drew Brees. You do that. You're combined. Oh, so you're taking a seven uh, and a nine, so- and of all the sevens. David Beckham. What other seven is there? To Mickey have? Mantle, John Elway, Ben Roethlisberger. <laughs> Are you Beckham. out of your mind? David, David Beckham. Beckham is the greatest seven in your book. Oh, I want to. I want to fight you. Oh, please. Let's. Seven. You know what? I want the podcast to end right now so that you can fight him. DeBrickishaw is not here to, to defend you with his black belt there, black tie. All right, listen. And one thing we definitely have to discuss is it occurred to me the other day. That Harrison Ford, we were talking about, uh, you know, it was his 70th birthday last week, and so we were we were kibitzing about that. And I realized that he has the greatest run in movie history, the greatest streak of great movies. He goes, Empire Strikes Back, um, Raiders of the Lost Ark, Blade Runner, Jedi, Witness. Mm-hmm. Five gangbusters pictures in a row. And I said, well, somebody, has anybody ever had five movies that good in a row? So I started looking that up. I encourage you, nay, I demand that you tweet me at Damashek and or at Adam Rank and uh, let us know what actors in movie. I'm talking, I'm not talking about 
well, if it weren't for that movie, it would have been seven movies in a row for this actor. I'm not talking about that. If, yeah, because Tom Cruise would be in that mix. Yeah, if Joe DiMaggio, if Joe DiMaggio had gotten a hit in in his 57th game, then his streak wouldn't have been 56 games. I'm not talking about what if in this case. I'm talking about what is. That's that's the game we're playing here. Has anybody had five movies in a row like Harrison Ford did there in uh, in you know? 80-ish to 84-ish. That's quite some run. Tom Hanks. Don't start now, Rank. We're going to get into it. We'll get into it later in the week, so make sure you check that one out. As always, davedamashek.nfl.com and or at iTunes. Subscribe and uh, maybe, you know what? Also, let me just uh, tease something else here. Next time, let's do the Washington Redskins jerseys, Rank. Okay. I started to lose my voice there. A lot of talking. A lot of talking yeah, with well. DeBrickishaw, Ed Bouchette. Thanks to those guys. Thanks to Black Tie for uh, for lining those guys up. And thanks to you, Adam Rank. Well, there it is. Oh. Love hearing the Yub Nub song. All's right in the world, you see? Fitting, too, who's to the, hear a little who's Jedi. Who's the creepy teenager over there looking at me? Oh, it's Hayden Christensen. <laughs> All right. We'll be back with more Huey and Applesauce later on. But in the meantime, thanks so much, football fans. It's been a thin slice of heaven. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.